We have begun a series last week. Pastor Josh kicked it off in a big way. The name of the series that we are on is called Good, Beautiful, and Kind. Good, Beautiful, and Kind. And um, I want to preface this, this message by saying this message is one of those messages where it's, uh, it's, it's necessary to hear. It's not the thing necessarily that we like, like to hear all the time or that we want to hear or that we necessarily get excited about, but it's necessary. And so I pray that as we get into it today, that you open up your heart, you open up your mind, that you open up your ears, and I pray that God softens the hearts of everyone in this room so you'll be able to receive what it is that God wants you to receive today. So Good, Beautiful, and Kind is actually the title of a book written by an author named Rich Velotis, another Brooklynite. Shout out to Brooklyn. Any Brooklynites in the building, I got to do that. There we go. Represent. Uh, good, beautiful, and kind. And so he was asked, where was the title? Where did the title come from? What made him title the book Good, Beautiful, Kind? And he said the title of the book came from a poem by an author by the name of Langston Hughes. Langston Hughes is a African-American poet, well-renowned, uh, very popular during the Harlem Renaissance. A lot of things were happening at that time, and he, he came to popularity. And he had a, a poem. The name of the poem was called Tired. It's a very short poem, but I'll read you the, the, the poem. It says this. It says, I am so tired of waiting, aren't you, for the world to become good, and beautiful and kind. Let us take a knife and cut the world in two and see what worms are eating at the rind. He said, I feel like the poem was like expressing his humanity, the, the humanity of us all, the heart of us all, that sometimes we look at a world that's so messed up, that has so much evil in it, so much arguing, so much division, so much manipulation, so many things wrong. And it's like, you know, and at that time, just to give it a little more context, during Langston Hughes' time, there was so much injustice, especially the black people at the time. And so he's like, what in the world? Like, um, I just, I can, can we just all get along? He said, I wish this, this world was like, a, like, like one of those, I don't, I'm not sure, maybe you were better than me in school. I was terrible especially when it came to science and we used to have to do lab and they would give us these, these little pigs. And it was like, I, 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 first of all, I didn't know a pig could be that little. And then the pig, for some reason, maybe my wife knows the pig was gray. You know why the pig was gray? I don't know. Maybe it's something about science. I, I just missed, but they gave us these little knives and we used to cut the pig and just open it up. And then you can see all types of things inside. I'm like, Oh, this is interesting. And this is where the intestines are and whatever, the chitlins or whatever else we eat. So it's like I could imagine Langston Hughes looking at the world like, man, I wish this thing was like this pig that we could just cut in half and see what in the world is going on on the inside. I, I thought about another illustration. I was thinking of my son. I love my son. He's three. It's getting more real and real to y'all already. He's three. And out of nowhere, I feel like he just started 
to love to eat bacon. I don't know where it happened. It was one day, the only thing he would like to eat was peanut butter and jelly for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Somehow, somewhere, he got put on to bacon. And it's specifically turkey bacon. Like, he loves it. And so, there's one day we're at home. He had about 12, 13 pieces already. I wish I was exaggerating, but little kid could put it away. And so, I'm like, I'm eating my, my little three strips or whatever I got left over. He comes to me. He's like, Daddy, can I get another piece of bacon? Like, come on, man. He already had 12. He's like, I just, I just want one. I just want one. So I'm like, all right, man. I give him a strip of bacon. He takes it into the living room, which he is not supposed to do, and he knows that. But he's like, you know, I'm watching Ninja Turtles. He loves watching Ninja Turtles. I'm watching Ninja Turtles. I don't want to miss it. I'm like, all right. Then he comes back into the kitchen. After he takes the bacon into the living room, and I promise you, it was about 0.5 seconds. Now understand, even for a person that eats bacon as much as he did, it's unbelievable for him to finish this piece of bacon in 0.5 seconds. So he comes into the living, he comes back into the kitchen. He's like, Daddy, I'm finished. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, where's the bacon? He's like, I ate it. Like, ain't no way. In 0.5 seconds, Creed... Go get the bacon. He's like, Daddy, I ate it. I ate the bacon. And I'm looking at him. Come on, parents. You know you you like something is off. This is, I don't believe this. But then you know those times you just, you know what, I'm, just, I'm not even going to try to get into this fight right now. I'm just kind of tired. So I'm like, the first thing, I'm like, open up your mouth. He opens his mouth. I'm looking. I'm like, all right, man. Just go. I'm not about to get into this. Fast forward a day later, it was actually Sunday. We're coming in from church, and we got one of the leaders from us from the kids' ministry, Matt. He comes over with us, and let me plug this. I know you saw it in the, uh, the, the weekend update, but please, if you're here and you're interested in joining the youth or kids' ministry, youth or kids' ministry, listen, we need you. We want you. I feel like there's a spot for you here. So at the end of second service next week, I want you to meet us over in the youth room, and we're going to talk you through some things. We want you to get involved, youth and kids ministry. Let me come back to the story. Matt comes in with us, and my daughter now, see, my daughter, she has this thing. She's afraid of anything that's crawling, anything that's flying, anything. It sends my daughter up the wall. So my daughter, we get into the house, and my daughter, she spots, she said, Daddy, it's, this it's. I'm like, where in the world? My daughter, she just jumps up on the sofa. She's standing on the sofa. Ants. So I go, and it's about a thousand ants. It's maybe may another a science thing. I don't even know where ants just be popping up from. Like, where the thousand of them came from? No idea. Somebody educate me later. A thousand of them just there. And then I'll be looking around like, where are these ants? I start stomping on the ants. I tell my wife, I'm like, hey, go get the spray. She's spraying, stomping, and it's just like they just keep popping up. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Matt, who's with us, Matt knows a little bit. Matt starts start moving stuff. Matt is like, they got to be something somewhere that's making them come. Then he moves the back of the TV. You got it. <laughs> moves the back of the TV. He said, is, is that bacon? I look at my son. I'm looking at this kid. This kid is looking at me. 
He's like, what? <laughs> Mike Creed, if you don't just get out of here right now, man. We get rid of the ants. But I start thinking, as we go into this topic of what, we get, what we're about to go into today, how many times do we see the evil in this world? I'm, I'm going I'm to look at it as ants. Do we see the ants and we're just trying to stomp it out? We're trying to spray, but we never get to the root of it. We never get to, like, what, what it is, like, what's behind this thing? What's causing all of these ants to come up? And today we're going to explore something that I think a lot of times gets overlooked. Sometimes it's just straight up denied. Sometimes it's just rejected. Sometimes it's hard to receive or understand. And I want to take you, in order to do this, I want to take you into Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to start at the 10th verse, and they got it up on the screen. It says this. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Here it goes. Verse 12. Do they have verse 12? Maybe not. Verse 12, it says this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He says our battle is not against flesh and blood. Don't fall to the devil's tricks. Don't fall into his schemes. One of his biggest schemes is to make you think the struggles against the person sitting next to you. The struggles against your neighbor. The struggles against the person you disagree with. The struggles against the person who has a different viewpoint or perspective than you. He said, don't be fooled. That's not where our struggle is. Our struggle is against in another version, it says this, powers and principalities. Now, I want to take some time. I want to park here for a minute and talk a little bit about what these powers and principalities are. I want to kind of give us a working definition of powers and principalities for the context of this message so that we can understand it. Here's what powers and principalities are in the definition I'm going to give you right now. It's this. Powers and principalities are spiritual forces that become hostile, taking root in individuals, ideologies, and institutions with the goal of deception, division, and depersonalization. I feel like it's important to give a definition because depending on what kind of context you grew up in or where you've been, see, I grew up in a kind of, a kind of Pentecostal context, where any times we, any something went wrong, it was the devil. We could be in church and the PowerPoint stopped working and it's, the devil is a liar. I plead the blood of Jesus and the devil is a liar and you should plead the blood. But you should also pay the subscription so the PowerPoint can keep working. I, I remember times where you might be driving to church then the car stopped. Look at the enemy is at work. He is. But you've been driving on faith a little too long. It's time to put gas in the car. Like everything is, is not 
the devil. But then, on the other end of the spectrum, I feel like we live in this postmodern, post-Christian world where we don't even have the language, imagination, thought process, wherewithal to be aware that there are spiritual forces that are working that we cannot see. And so I kind of just want to waken up everybody, especially if you like in this generation, like there are no devils. Listen, devils are real. There are spiritual forces that are at work against us. And there are things that happen in spiritual realms that we cannot see and it affects us. And you see it. I want to give a, just a quick scripture reference. And this may seem kind of far off, but it's just a scripture reference that shows there was a, a time, this was actually in the book of Daniel. And you can go look at it later. Go fact check me to see if I'm bugging. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel was praying. As the Bible says, Daniel had been praying for 21 days. Daniel was praying for his people. And he had been waiting for an answer to hear from God for 21 days. And then 21 days later, an angel appears to Daniel. And the angel tells Daniel, he says, Daniel, from the day you started praying, from the day you started praying, your prayers were heard. And I was sent to give you a message. But there was a prince of Persia. And for those who are, don't understand what that is, it was literally like a demon that's assigned over that estate. He said there was a prince of Persia that stopped me from coming until Michael, who's another angel, came and helped me. And so now I was able to get to you and deliver you this message. I don't, I don't want us to get scared or anything like that, but I just want us to recognize and acknowledge what Daniel even experienced. Can you imagine praying, being a faithful servant of God like Daniel? Like, God, where are you? What in the world? But there was something happening that Daniel could not see that affected what Daniel was uh, 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 experiencing. Thank you. In the real world. And so for us to not acknowledge that there are things that happen outside of our power, outside of our control. I remember the, uh, 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 a video that went viral a few years ago. Uh, a key phrase from this video that went viral was this employee who was working at a hotel who was disrespected. And he kept telling the, the person who disrespected him after she came back in and tried to, to, to book a room in a hotel. He said, I'm sorry you disrespected me. It's above me now. It's, it's above me. She said, no, like, I'm sorry. He said, it's above me now. It's, it's above. She said, no, but I'm just trying. She said, it's above me. I think at some point we got to recognize that there is an acknowledge and accept the fact that there are things at work that's above me. This, 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 this thing, what's happening is above me. And there's, there's some ways that God teaches us to handle this. And I want to give that to us. But before I do that, I want to spend some time just describing and explaining how these powers work, how these powers and principalities work. And I want you just to pay attention a little bit because sometimes, again, it's hard to see it. Sometimes it's hard to accept it. One of the ways these powers work is, like I said, is deception. Deception. And here's the thing. When I, in that definition I gave, it said these 
Power seeks to influence individuals, ideologies, and institutions. When you think about ideologies, it's thought processes. It's belief systems. It's philosophies. I don't know about you, but I can look at the world sometimes and I talk to some people and be like, you believe that? Where, where does that belief come? And people, they will stand firm on their ideologies. They will stand firm on their beliefs. They used to say it like this, you could be strong and wrong. Like, where did you get this from? We, 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 see, we see things in institutions, school systems, jail systems, churches. Nothing's off limits. We see things in individuals. It's like, where did this come from? And let me show you how the powers, these spiritual forces that are so, I love the way the Bible says it's so, 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 so cunning, so subtle, so schemish. Just sneaks his way. The same way we met the enemy in the garden in Genesis is the same way, just scheming his way in. Don't even recognize it. We're going to expose a little bit of it today. Deception is one. Deception. Let me give you this, 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 this thought of deception. Satan is called the father of lies. I'm going to stop there, actually. I tell my people this all the time. When you understand that Satan is the father of lies... Your, your, your relationship with, with lies and manipulation and embellishment and just a little bit of exaggeration, your relationship with that thing changes. Because you realize if Satan is the father of it, meaning he gave birth to it, anytime that shows up anywhere, you got to know where what DNA is in it. Anytime, anytime somebody comes around me, and they just start, one of my, one of my uh, people made me remember this. I was talking to somebody, and they was telling me about somebody who they're dating. And they said, CJ, you know, it just kind of helped me, like, discern, is this person, like, should I be continuing or pursuing this relationship? So I'm like, well, you know, I never met this person. Let me just ask some questions. So I'm asking questions. I'm asking, I ask a lot of questions. The person's like, Dag, CJ, you ask a lot of questions. I'm like, hey, you want the help? I don't know no other way. I never met the person. I got to ask questions. So I'm asking questions. I'm getting, like, deep in the business. And then I ask just one question. I was like, let me ask you. I'm like, do you have any red flags? Anything that stand up to you that you feel like, uh? The person said, there's this, this, this one thing. I feel like, I feel like they cap a lot. She said, I, I feel like they cap a lot. Now, let me help you understand what cap is for those who don't understand what cap is. Now, I know some of y'all like, cap? Did he say cap? What is cap? Cap. Cap. C-A-P. It's, it's, it's just a slang term for lying. It's a slang term for embellishment. You ever, you ever just heard somebody just talking and you know they lying? We would just, oh, so some of us in this generation are younger. Like, that's cap. Like, would you stop capping? That's, that's cap. You ever met somebody that's just full of cap? It just, 
Every time you date God, just they, they, they life, they just living the best life ever. It's cap. Or maybe their life is just, just it's just, just a lot of cap. And so the person is explaining to me, they say, you know, when I uh, met the person, the person first told me they was a certain age and they really wasn't that age. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. She got experience. She like, listen. There was a uh, she like there was another instance where this person, you know, they had some jewelry on, and I asked them where they get the jewelry from, and they told me it was from somebody else. I'm like, yeah. And so as they're telling me this, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like, anytime I hear cap. I get a little iffy because I know where it comes from. And I tell, listen, I don't allow no cap in my camp. Listen, young people, you got to get to the point where you're trying to, if you, once, one way, just, just one quick way to help keep the enemy out, to help keep the enemy from influencing you when you're in a circle, keep cap out your camp. Keep it out. The minute someone comes around and they start just, just lying just a little bit, uh-uh, we're going to get to the truth. Nah, don't, don't, nah I, know, I know it may be awkward. Nah, you know, it really wasn't. No, no, no. I'm going to just give you like a quick, just a quick thing. As the person told me, listen, ask questions and ask direct questions. There's something about getting to the truth. There's something about getting to the truth. My wife reminded me of this. I was talking to her, like, through, as I was thinking through the, the message and stuff like that. She said, she said, babe, you know, it reminds me, like, when we was growing up, parents used to say, tell the truth and shame the devil. I'm like, yeah, there's something to it. There's something to the truth that the devil can't stand in. There's something to the truth that, that lies can't stand up under. There's, there's something to the truth. And so I'm making my business as best as possible. Listen, if you're going to be around me, we got to be honest. We got to tell the truth. Because I, I, I know how these, the, the powers work. I, I know when deception starts creeping in, you open up the floodgates for other things to kind of creep in. And, th and this, this is what we got to guard against. Here's what happens. Sometimes, and again, it's so subtle. Enemy will have you think, you know, maybe if I'm deceptive, for a good cause, it's okay. That's that little white lie. I'm about to, I'm about to give Kyle a mic. Like, that's that little white lie. Like, that's just a, it's just a, you know, you know, I, I got to take care of my family. So, on this application, you know, I did used to do that job, kind of, if you think about it. Right? I put a check mark. Cap. Like, it's, it's, it's so subtle. And then we look and we're like, well, how, how, could, how could the powers begin to influence? Because here's what happens in the world systems. It says the, 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 the devil is the prince of this world. And so how the world systems are set up, sometimes it makes you believe that deception is the only way to get ahead. I want to wake us up to how subtle this thing could be. Deception. Here's another one. Division. Division. Can I tell you, division is an enemy-making machine. Division is an enemy-making machine. Here's what happens with division. 
you get somebody you disagree with. Be it whatever, whatever the disagreement may be. Listen, we going into election year next year. Y'all know how I get around that town. Any disagreement. Now this person is my enemy. Now that person is my enemy. It's like, wait, I thought Ephesians 6 said our battle was not against flesh and blood. How did this so subtly creep into we fighting with the person next to us? And the real enemy is in the back laughing like, yeah, as long as they fight each other, they never going to turn their attention to me. They'll never consider who the real enemy is. They'll continue to sit there and try to stamp out those ants instead of pulling behind the TV screen and finding what it is behind it that's causing all of this. Can I tell you there's nothing wrong with disagreeing? Oh, there's a lot of people I disagree with. But I got one enemy. I'm going to say it again. There's a lot of people I disagree with. But I only have one enemy. We only have one enemy. I know what they did to you. I know what their belief is. I know that how that may infringe upon your rights or what you may think and what you feel like is right and just. I don't care. You got one enemy. Act like it. Depersonalization. So one is deceit, deception. The other one is de uh, division. One last one that the enemy uses, that the, the powers use to try to influence is depersonalization. Here's how depersonalization works. I'm going to read it. We become formed to see generic groups of people rather than individuals, making it easier to forget their humanity and stop seeing them as sacred creations of God. Here's what happens when we see just people as groups of people. You forget their name, you forget they got a story, and they just become that, that group of people. There go those people again. We got to fight against those people. We got to protect against those people. Those people. And it is no, it's no, it's no one to get to know anybody. It's, it's no one to get to know anybody's name or anybody's story. This is why I'm so thankful for God. Because God knows each of us by name. I'm so thankful that God doesn't just look at me and group me with everybody else. He said, you got a name. And you got a purpose. And, I got a, and you got a plan. And guess what else? I know you got a story. And maybe this is for somebody in the room. But God takes all of that into account. I don't know who probably walked in feeling like, you know, I don't, I don't know if God, like, God knows your story. He sees you. Every detail. No matter how anybody else sees you, God is taking it all into account. Don't let how humans look at people and put that on God. And make that affect your relationship with God. God sees you, he knows you, he hasn't forgotten about you. But part of the tricks of the enemy is to make, a, make us depersonalize each other. You don't got a story, you don't got a name. And here's the thing, here's the question we should ask ourselves, ask ourselves regularly. Am I being used by the powers? Think about this. Am I being used by the powers? Are my words, is my life, are my decisions being marked by depersonalization, deception, and division? 
Or am I being used by way of the kingdom of God to work for something that is holistically in contrast to that? What that requires is for you to take careful inventory. I'm not saying obsess over it. I'm just saying be aware. The Bible tells us not to be ignorant to Satan's devices. This is us just not being ignorant. This is us waking up. This is us just being aware. And then is I feel like this sometimes in church we could get to the point where we feel like, you know, I'm saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized. I got Jesus on my side. I'm running for my life. And there is no way possible a power is going to influence me. Can I take you to a scripture right quick in Matthew chapter 16? Jesus is talking to Peter. As Jesus is talking to Peter, there's there's one part where Jesus is talking to Peter, and Jesus looks at Peter. He says, Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the Messiah. Jesus looks at Peter. He said, only the Holy Spirit revealed that to you. He says, you know what? I'll call you rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And Peter, I'm sure Peter's like, yeah. Jesus just affirmed me. He's going to build his church on this rock. Let's go. Just two, three verses later. Pay attention to this. Two, three verses later. You could go home and read it later. It's in Matthew 16, I believe. Two, three verses later, Jesus is explaining to his disciples. He's like, you know what? I'm about to go to the cross. I'm about to die, suffer a horrific death. Peter says, no, you're not. There's no way I allow that to happen. Jesus looks at Peter, the same Peter who he just said on his rock, I will build my church. The Holy Spirit has revealed that to you. The same Peter he looks at and said, get behind me, Satan. For you have only in mind earthly matters. You're not concerned about things of God. I'm sure Peter's like, how in the world? Just two, three verses ago, the Holy Spirit was influencing me. And now he's saying the devil is? Could it be possible that in the New York second, in one minute, we could be on fire and and, and repping Christ? And in the next minute, we just being used by the enemy and not even realize it. Jesus had this ability to see both. And here's the thing. I don't want us to walk around and be afraid. This is nothing like, I'm going to just be afraid. They go those powers. The powers are defeated. See, this is, this is the beautiful thing about the gospel. This is the beautiful thing about Jesus. Jesus completed the world. He defeated the powers on the cross. They have no dominion over us. But they still have the ability to jump in and influence. Just to to, to take our minds off Christ, to to, to work towards Satan's kingdom without even our knowledge. Jesus gives us a way later on in Ephesians 6, and I don't got time to go through it all. But I just want to list some of these things out to you and just sum this up right quick. And you could go home and look at it later. You could deep dive on it later. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse, what verse is this? Verse 13. Is that up there? Oh, there we go. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to, pay attention to this. It says you may be able to stand your ground. 
And after you have done everything to stand, hold up. It's just to stand your ground. I, can I just camp here? And I got, I got about 10 seconds. Stand your ground. You know what it doesn't say? And I know this, 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 please, please, it's not personal. I'm just reading what the Bible says. You know what it doesn't say here? It doesn't say here, here's the way you defeat it. You go into the enemy's camp, you just start looking for him and punching him in his face. Just get violent, huh? Say, no, 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 no. Here's what you do. You stand. You don't combat the enemy's schemes with, Ugh. you stand. You stand firm, but here's how you stand firm. He gives us some things. He gives us, he says, stand firm in truth, in righteousness, in peace, in faith, with salvation, the word of God. So he, he says, so when the day of evil comes, can I put it in CJ terms? When the enemy pulls up on you, and he will pull up on you. Him and all his people will pull up on you. They're just waiting for the opportunity to pull up on you. So when that moment comes, you know what to do. There's no way you can stand when the enemy pulls up on you if you have no word of God in you. Jesus demonstrated this for us. And when we could play, Rufus could play, and I'm going to wrap this up. Jesus demonstrated this for us. When he's in the desert after being tempted, he's just sitting there. Sure enough, the devil pulls up on him. He, he'd even pull up on Jesus. What makes you think he won't pull up on you? Pulls up on him. Like, hey, man, I give you all the kingdoms in the world. All of this I give to you. Jesus, he, he, he lists a bunch of things, and each time the devil comes to Jesus, Jesus responds with, it is written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread. It, it is written. Like, like Jesus knew his response was, you know, I'm not going to get up and start boxing. The word is enough. The truth is enough. Peace is enough. Righteousness is enough. Like, and that's, that's how Jesus operated. And I just, I just, I just want to. I just feel like it's important for me to save, important for us to understand when we walk out of here. I don't want us to walk out of here defeated and scared and just looking over like, are the powers coming today? Is this the day the devil pulls up on me? We got to walk out of here confident that no matter what happens, the enemy is already defeated. He's going to try. He's going to try to do what he's going to try to do. That's cool. But I know what the word says. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. So he can pull up all he want. But great is he who is in me than he that is in the world. He can pull up all he want. It doesn't matter. Because if God is for me, who can be against me? Like when you know the word, you have something to combat anything the devil tries to throw at you. I know so many people, especially even young people. Man, young people, when you, please, I, I beg of you, get in your word. At the end of Ephesians 6, it talks about the word of God. It talks about prayer. Like, when the devil comes to you and he's like hitting you in the, in the area that hurts most your self-esteem. Look, 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 look at you. You, you. you ugly. Look at everybody else on social media. 
It's a scheme. Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you believe it? Do you know that? Devil pulls up, you'll never be nothing. God said before you formed your mother, I knew you. I got a plan and purpose for you. Don't listen to him when he say you'll never be nothing. When you know what the word of God says, you got something to stand on. The word of God. The word of God is reliable, it's sharp. The Bible says it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Like, I want to pray for everyone in here. I want to pray for everyone in here that we won't be, we will no longer as a church, we will no longer be ignorant to Satan's devices. For anyone in here who's been trying to do it on your own, under your own strength, caught up in this fleshly realm of fighting, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. There's sometimes you have to work. There's sometimes where it's, like, like I said earlier, when the, if the PowerPoint is not working, there's sometimes you just got to do what you got to do to make sure the PowerPoint works. Then there's other times you just got to get on your knees and pray and say, God, this is above me. God, I come to you. I rest on your strength. I rest in your, in your power. I rest in the work that you've done on the cross. The fact that you went to the cross and died, that's the reason our powers are defeated and they have no dominion over me. I'm not worried about nobody possessing me or doing anything like God. God is in me. Walk out confident. So, Father God, I pray over everyone in this building right now. Father God, I pray that you continue to open up the ears, the eyes of our hearts. Take the blinders off. That we will no longer be ignorant to Satan's devices. Build our confidence in you. Help us to get in your word and know your word and know what you say. Father God, help us to remember that you said you will never leave us or forsake us. So no matter what's going on in the world, no matter how hard things may seem, we know that you are with us and you have gone before us. God, you are great. You are awesome. We love you. We appreciate you. We thank you. Father God, I pray this one last thing. Because we know how the enemy works and we will not be ignorant. God, I pray even as we go into this election year, and yes, I'm praying for an advance. Father God, I pray, God, that we remember who the enemy is, that there will be no division, there will be no, 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 no gossiping, there will be no deceit, no depersonalization. Father God, help us to operate in love, no matter what people may think about it. Help us to stay true to your word. We love you. We appreciate you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.